0: If you enjoy deep conversation and real mental health talk with biblical viewpoints, this is the podcast for you. I'm Dr. Mike Griffith.
1: And I'm Ashley Powell. We are mental health professionals here to help you navigate the ebb and flow of life.
0: This is the Clarity Truth Podcast.
1: Let's get started with today's episode. Well, welcome back to the Clary Tooth Podcast. I'm Ashley Powell, and as always, I am sitting here with my good friend, Dr. Michael Griffith, and we are so very excited to be bringing you Episode 3 today of the podcast, So today we are going to talk about flourishing and your true identity. We're going to break that down. We're going to talk about what flourishing even is, why it's important for us to pause and have a conversation about how to just be our best version of our authentic selves. Zach, what do you think about this topic?
0: I think it's a necessary topic, especially in the context of where we started with the first two episodes where we were talking about some of the more challenging struggles of life and some mental health experiences of depression, anxiety, suicide, etc. I'd like our audience to also be exposed to flourishing and to the more positive and healthier elements of life and how we can get there through having sound mental health practices and faith-based strategies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I like that we're going to look at this from two angles. And so if we just look at what the word flourishing means, if we just pulled out that dusty dictionary and we looked at what the actual definition of flourishing is, it means to thrive, or to grow well. But the way that we flourish, the way that we've thrived, the way that we grow well, that could mean a lot of different things to all of us, maybe based upon our experiences, our beliefs, and all of those types of things. And so, you know, last episode, we really talked about some of those deep struggles that we have.
0: Right. That all of us have. Yes. And some of us find our our lives going in a direction that's profoundly challenging. But all humanity struggles with life on a day-to-day and occasional basis. So going to the other aspect of how do we move in the direction of thriving, the manners in which we cope and pursue thriving versus just surviving. There are specific methods, specific mechanisms that we can talk about.
1: Absolutely. It's hard to think about myself flourishing or think about myself kind of functioning at this optimal level when I'm either in a moment of deep pain and struggle or I have come out of it Mm -hmm. because the remnants of that stick with me. I still have the memory of what I have gone through. And I think sometimes we feel like that disqualifies us from Mm -hmm. better things. Mm -hmm. And so whether it is pain from life induced by a poor choice that I've made or just because life happened and I've walked through difficulty, sometimes it feels like either there's there's no hope. Nothing is ever going to get better. Maybe things can never be the same and I'm grieving, you know, or sometimes it's also just that my sense of self has truly changed. And so I have these really negative and um, not so nice core beliefs about me, about Mm -hmm. what I'm able to do and about what I'm capable of doing.
0: Well, it comes back to some of the expectations that are formed developmentally from birth through childhood, adolescence, and to adulthood based upon the manner in which others in our lives engage with us and how we engage with life that is for all human beings representing challenge there are things that are hard in life and that are sometimes unexpected or randomly present and we're not prepared for them perhaps or when we try to address those things We experience failure, and sometimes that failure will have emotional bruising or wounding. It can also have other physical and different forms of consequences. And from that, we adapt our own consideration and knowledge of who we are. And so one of the the challenges of thriving and flourishing in life is to acknowledge we have elements of strengths and weaknesses we have experiences that are victories and delightful and we have experiences that are sometimes profoundly painful and and failing Mm -hmm. and we need to establish a manner of integrating all of those things in a way that we have permission to do well in life and we have mechanisms of going forward so that we can achieve a level of human functioning that's optimal versus be held back or confined to what we've experienced in a negative way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Zach, that reminds me of a book that I am reading. Okay. So I'm reading this book called No Bad Parts by Richard Swartz. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in it, it's a a book kind of about healing from trauma um, and just kind of restoring all the parts of us. And so in it, I really like the way that he describes how we take those broken parts, those wounded parts, Mm -hmm. and combining those with maybe the parts of us that want to dream, the part of us that wants to move forward, the part of us that has that desire to thrive. And so I like the way that he describes this integration as he says that it's more like a fruit salad than it is like a smoothie.
0: Okay. And that sounds very,
1: very, funny. But when I was thinking about that, I'm like, you know, when I think about a smoothie, I'm just going to throw everything in there and I'm going to blend it up. And then you can't really tell what I put in it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's right. just all blended together. And I think that's kind of how we would like ourselves to be. Mm-hmm. to where you can't really see the difficult parts of us you can't see what I've gone through you know I, I don't want to ever have to think about that moment where maybe I was suicidal or that yeah. I was depressed or I just wasn't maybe even proud of who I was maybe I was making some poor choices but it's not that simple we can't just erase that part of us because it's in us right right every moment every season everything that we walk through it's, and we it, it's remember in us. it. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And so I like the visual of a fruit salad, because (laughs) I can see every ingredient that's in there. It's a little bit more chunky, but it blends together still Mm -hmm. to be this perfect recipe. And I think that's what we are. We are just kind of this mixed bag of hearts. Mm -hmm. There's broken, wounded parts in us, but just because we have those, and maybe they're even not totally healed, right? Maybe. Right, Because healing is never a destination, it is a journey. Sure. And so, you know, we can still thrive and not be in survival mode.
0: Well, and it's also a good example of how each element of our experience contributes to who we are and to how we're experienced by others, and how we can have value even in that painful, difficult time as it's complementary to the wonderful time and the joyous times in life. And that when we're looking at them as that fruit salad, Mm -hmm. that every subtle taste of every element of that salad contributes to the whole experience of enjoying
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think about Jesus and I think about how Jesus is always the best example for for anything, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think about Jesus and I think about him flourishing, I think about what he didn't need or what he didn't have in order to do that. And so one thing that he didn't have is popularity. Mm -hmm. He was very unpopular. Yes, he was. (laughs) He he had a very faithful and devoted group of followers to him, but he was rejected. He was crucified. He was mocked. He was betrayed. And so he didn't need to have the popular opinion. He didn't need to hold the highest rank in the church even. He was still able to flourish, thrive, and carry out his purpose. Um, He also didn't need wealth. He he did not come from a wealthy family. He was born to a carpenter's son. He also didn't need everything to go right. And so if we look at the life of Jesus, there were many obstacles um, that could have stopped him. Mm-hmm. But they did I like that because there's so many things that I could think of that just went wrong this week for me. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> and so many things that could have kept me from not wanting to do this podcast even today. Mm-hmm. You know, and so on a normal day, life is hard. Right. And so it's very easy To get tunnel vision Mm -hmm. of these things. For my bad moment to become a bad day. My bad day to ruin my entire week. And then this month is just terrible. And then before you know it, everything that I really want for myself, I see as being impossible.
0: You and I, being people of faith Mm -hmm. and followers of Jesus, I find it comforting that Jesus had a life that is just like the life that I have that he had moments of absolutely profound challenge and there were relationships where all of those things you described Jesus experienced, most of us have also experienced, whether it's bullying, while we're in elementary or middle school or high school, or whether it's people mocking us because we're people of faith, or things going badly that were injustices, but we might be unjustly given consequences in a work environment or a marital relationship. And a number of ways that it, it's confirming, and it's helpful to have a Savior who lived also as a human being. Yeah and didn't have only optimal experiences. Though, we also know, based on the biblical record and even the historical record, that he did have times that he did flourish. Mm-hmm. And so that gives the rest of us hope.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely does. Zach, are there other examples in the Bible that you can think of when we talk about kind of this sense of persevering and mm-hmm. Thriving through difficulty and less than ideal circumstances, can you think of any other examples?
0: Well, sure, I, I think there are a number of examples we we can talk about Joseph, for example, who was thrown in a pit by his brother, sold into slavery, makes his way to Egypt, and then is imprisoned falsely and and then comes out of prison to be the second in command in the country. Mm-hmm. So persevering in spite of difficult challenges and then having the opportunity to thrive and have the optimal experience leading to even the redemption and saving of his own family from famine. Mm. So that's one example. So there are a number of different examples of being able to work through the challenge of life, the struggles of life to make it to the elements and places in life where people thrive.
1: Absolutely. Another example that I really like is the story of Ruth, which I think Mm -hmm. is just such a really neat story. So Ruth's husband passed away, and if you look at kind of what the context of life was during that time, that was a really big thing. It wasn't Absolutely. It wasn't like women were working back then, and no. they were very dependent upon their their husbands. Right. And so Ruth's husband passed away, and she lost everything. Mm-hmm. And what could have been kind of the end of her story was really just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so God led her straight into blessing and straight into abundance. And so, but when I think about that, when I think about applying that to us we really have to be able to know who we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. So the difference between me being carried through difficulty and coming to the other side or being stuck in it for the rest of my life is really about my mindset mm-hmm. and about how I see myself and what my identity is. So let's just talk for a minute, maybe about our biblical identity versus perhaps what our cultural identity is
0: okay well we know as again people of faith that scripture gives us a very different perspective on knowing ourselves in the context of a relationship with a holy god who created us and defined us uniquely Mm -hmm. as having an identity that is best expressed and fully expressed in relationship to him And culturally it's very different. We have ways of identifying ourselves as we grow in our culture based upon where we're born, what level of social economic success we have in our family, what gifts and talents we may have or our families may have. And so human beings think in categories and identity is a category. That can take on multifaceted elements, but it can be very different from the actual identity God intended for us.
1: When I think about our cultural identity, that is more based on what we do and where we come from. Mm -hmm. And when I think about our spiritual identity, that's more based on whose I am Mm -hmm. and who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that social media plays a big part in this present day, especially perhaps for our younger generations listening. And so, you know, on social media, you can be anything you want to be. You can put that little description box. You can make yourself whatever you want. You can fill it in with your favorite emojis and everything. You can post pictures that makes your life look however you want it to look. Right. And so, you know, there's this also this pressure, I think, culturally Mm -hmm. to look like something. And that can be really hard when we have not done our inward work. and maybe on the outside and on my insta page you know everything looks real aesthetic cute and amazing but on the inside i'm still broken and Mm -hmm. on the inside i'm still struggling to find an integration of all of these pieces of me and all these seasons perhaps of difficulty that i've walked through for most of us the tendency then tends to be that i either completely try to ignore those parts of me or I semi-acknowledge that they're there, but I try really hard to dismiss them. The problem with that being, I cannot heal the things that are concealed within me. And so we become stuck. And so instead of flourishing, we are stuck in this fight mode. We are stuck in this survival mode. But here's what can then happen. When I'm able to integrate spiritual identity into that, then I'm able to better see God's desire and design for me, that in him I can be a new creation. And through him, I can take everything that the enemy meant for evil, give it to God, and watch him turn it around for my good and for his glory.
0: Scripture talks about once we come to be a follower, Jesus, once we have a salvific experience, that we then become of the spirit, not of the flesh. And so culturally, the emphasis on identity is often on the physicality, on the superficial constructs of money, fame, etc., versus the biblical context, where there are deeper functions and deeper understandings of the concepts that God finds important that he imbued us with, mm-hmm. that are then borne out as we get to know and, and grow in deeper understanding of our relationship to God personally.
1: You know, Doc, when I think more about what you're saying, I'm thinking about just how fleeting so many things are that we put emphasis on. Things that maybe in the natural sense we base our identity and we place worth and value on, how all those things pass away. But looking at it through a lens of Christ, there is eternity in everything that I do. There is eternal purpose. And I think if I'm able to adapt that mindset, if I'm able to truly understand what that means, I can carry myself differently through hardship. I can carry myself differently through challenging circumstances. And it shifts me perhaps out of this fixed mindset more into this growth mindset.
0: Well, again, when we have that construct where we think that life is eternal and that we have an intentional perspective that we want to enrich this current experience from a spiritual perspective that we start with and have an internally consistent spiritual identity and experience that is across time, it deepens our understanding and expression of our actual identity that is far more foundational and enduring rather than the very fragile elements of a culturally established identity that we will all have that. Others will cast that upon us. We will assume that from our culture. But when we have the deeper spiritual foundations, then there's the capacity to endure and to have a far more clear understanding of how to deal with the vicissitudes and struggles of life that come at us all.
1: That's good, that's good, I like that. So Doc, take me into a little bit when we talk about this idea of flourishing, this idea of this integrated self. Is there anything occurring within me when that happens from a neuroscience perspective?
0: Sure. There's a lot with that. Neuroscience explores a lot of those elements defining the self and the methodology for us understanding it from a physiological and, and a science-based perspective. So we know from the context of psychology, psychiatry, mental health, that the self is a construct where we have structure and we also have function. And the structure of the self actually is born in a sense of being conscious. And neuroscience at this point in the scientific awareness can't really define what consciousness is. It's more than looking at the brain and we build our knowledge on findings that, that give us clarity. But the self is understood as having an awareness. So we have conscious thought, things that we perceptually are aware of heat, sound, light, those things. And so we have a conscious mind, which is a part of the self. And from neuroscience, we also have the unconscious mind. In the sense that there are billions of neuronal transactions occurring in what we are not aware of in self, the unconscious, that affects the conscious part of our mind of what we are aware of. So I can know what I'm thinking right now but I'm not having access to the unconscious. So that's occurring simultaneously. And, and so this whole concept of the self then, we have these, these shared kind of elements of self that are then expressed through personality, through emotional regulation, a number of other types and forms of human experience. So... From a neuroscience perspective, we look at a lot of different things that define us in the sense that we know our identity, and each of us are unique in that. So there's no, even with identical twins, there are not identical human experiences because we know our self. And one way to think of establishing a concept of self is we come to a place where we know there is an I and there is an other. And we have different elements and morphological aspects of the brain that carry different functions in our known experience. As I am aware that I'm Mike and that you're Ashley, that all of that's happening without much conscious direction on my mm-hmm. part.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's my experience. <clears throat> So it gets rather complicated.
1: Yeah, but it is interesting to think about that the way I think, feel, respond, and behave is based upon parts of me that I'm both aware of and parts of me that I'm both unaware of. And so playing a little bit more into that, how might someone know when they are dysregulated? You had mentioned that part of the expression of Um, Kind of that conscious and unconscious state comes in the form of dysregulation. Or how might they know that their brain is working against them Mm -hmm. in these areas? Sure.
0: So I often use the example, I'm terrified of spiders. So if a spider were to crawl across the desk right now, (laughs) I would be in a state of terror.
1: That's good to know.
0: (laughs) So I'm hoping that doesn't happen. (laughs) So those are time-limited, intense spikes in experience and arousal. That might lead me to behave in an erratic way. I might leap up and run out of the room and trip and fall and break my leg or whatever. And so things happen. And then we have traits. And we often think of these traits in the context of anxiety or depression. So a trait is an enduring factor, an element of my personality. So I might have a tendency to think of worst-case scenarios across my lifetime and perhaps confirming actual experiences in my life Mm -hmm. that led to the belief that the future is foreboding and holds things that are going to be harmful and negative. And so that's a trait that I might have to consciously work against day by day.
1: Yeah. So it's really identifying any thought distortions that we might have, right? Mm-hmm. So you're talking about kind of like that catastrophic thinking, that worst right. case scenario, right. where if I can picture things blowing up, then I'm responding like I'm already there. <laughs> right. I am there. I am living in it, even though it hasn't happened. And then the other thing that I think a lot of us do is what's called emotional reasoning, where if I feel it it must be true so if i have a moment when i'm feeling lonely and all alone in the world well that must be true because i feel it or if i feel like i'm a failure well that must be true too so an important factor in being able to do this thing that we're talking about flourishing i need to be able to keep myself emotionally regulated and in order for me to keep myself emotionally regulated I have to be able to have the skill of being self-aware to where I am being a good steward of what type of thinking patterns I'm having, how those thinking patterns not only affect my overall mood, but my behavior and functioning as well. And so doc, I'm wondering if we could help our listeners understand better of what to do when we are experiencing an emotion. How can we help use our emotions as a positive informant and not something that keeps us in a state of dysregulation or even brings us to a place of using our emotions as an excuse? Because ultimately what I want is to be able to understand that part of me and integrate it into a more positive identity.
0: Well, it's important for us to respond to our own experience. And if we have the trait that we have anxiety, perhaps at a more significant level than the average person, we will develop behaviors that are fear-based and escape-related Or avoidant and so then we can focus on interventions and methodologies we know based on science very effectively now we have copious amounts of research that cognitive behavioral therapy is a very successful form of modifying thinking and so if I'm an anxious person I might benefit to adapt my thought patterns from me being conscious I'm fearful to knowing how to bridge from that thought and that emotion, to recognizing I'm not at risk. This is an overresponse. This is a pattern of habit in my thinking, and I can now think about something that is positive and fruitful, and uh, equally impacting my experience of feelings and emotions, and I can intentionally learn to direct my experience. So I'm not relegated to this life experience of just constantly being anxious.
1: Yes. And and I love that you're saying it that way. Because if I am someone that deals with debilitating anxiety, It can be very easy to just sit and live in the thought and the reality that this is just it. This is just how it is for me. I am doomed and wired and just destined to be an anxious person my entire life. And so what inevitably happens is we kind of stop trying to fight those things. Whereas what I wish perhaps we might do more of is to take those diagnoses or these pieces of us and say, you know what? I'm going to integrate this into my awareness of who I am, and I'm going to understand that it might create some situations for me where I need to be a little bit proactive because I'm probably more vulnerable in some areas than other people might be. Right, well,
0: you you do a good job of describing something that's very important for us to understand, which is once we have a sense of either being Defined by others or defining ourselves, then we create narratives that reinforce that so I could never do that one Thing I want to do in life because I'm just too anxious. I could never really go out on stage and sing that song Mm -hmm. when the truth is of course you could it just requires a certain set of conditions and rewards and perhaps a new story That's a more accurate story. That though I may have more tendency for being anxious, I can overcome that and learn to regulate my experience of emotion and my own behavior internally and externally because I can write a different story. It's my story.
1: Right. You're talking about taking a negative cognition that we have about ourselves and very intentionally pursuing truth in that to create a more positive cognition our mindset
0: right and I can come to understand that people bring their own filters to their own story and to the stories others suggest to them about them this takes us back to identity so we need to learn to have the most healthy positive understanding of our strengths and our weaknesses our potentials and our vulnerabilities so that we construct an identity of a self that's capable and can thrive because yeah. many of those stories we write indicate we could never thrive mm-hmm. because we're X or Y or Z,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is not true.
1: Yeah. So it's not dismissing those parts of us. Right. And it's also not disqualifying ourselves because of those parts. Right. It's about recognizing them, processing those parts of us, and also Healing them, giving them the attention they need to kind of have this wholeness about me.
0: And having an understanding that if I have something about my experience of who I am, where there's either a vulnerability or an experience where I made really awful decisions that led to very negative and painful consequences, that that doesn't define me. But it is something I may have to incorporate, forgive myself for, give myself grace, Mm -hmm. and then educate myself and learn to regulate those areas of my life so I can integrate them into a whole perspective Mm -hmm. where I can honor and love myself, which Jesus himself said, is a commandment for us to follow for those of us who follow Jesus and have faith. Right.
1: So, Doc, if someone is listening to this right now and they're saying, you know what, I feel like I need more of that. I feel like I need to really adapt that mindset. I want to start doing something today to help me thrive and flourish. What's something they could start doing?
0: I think a primary step all of us could do better with is that wherever that individual who's listening might be in life, wherever I might be today, if I find myself aware that I'm thinking in a way that is not constructive or healthy, or I'm making a decision that's not constructive or healthy, that instead of condemning myself, and instead of just deciding that that's just, I guess, the best I can do, to instead just acknowledge that from this awareness, I now am going to go a different direction with my thinking. And if I can modify that decision I was in the process of making, I will either postpone it until I get to a place that I'm better able to make a wise choice, or I will reverse it. Because most of the decisions we make in life are not immutable they're not unchangeable they are things we can go back and modify Mm -hmm. and if we instead of condemning ourselves and faulting ourselves and believing that narrative now needs to be in italics and in bold print that we've always believed about ourselves instead we write the new element of the narrative that says i love me I can forgive me for what is in the process of happening because I make a different choice now and it will bear fruit in the future. Absolutely.
1: Thanks for listening to the Clarity Truth Podcast. We hope you'll join us next time as we seek to find mental clarity through the truth of God's word. Be sure to follow us on your podcast app. Thanks for listening.